You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. This story, I don't believe, I don't interpret it as praising the piety of the poor within a system that takes economic advantage of their piety. It condemns any system that conditions and then exploits people to give more than what is life-giving for them to give. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 395. Our title this week is A Widow, Taxes, and Giving More Than What is Life-Giving to Give. Our reading is from the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect and the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I interpret this week's critique as aimed at the political economy of Jesus' society, not its religions. And some of those who were deeply religious made the lives of poor people more difficult and exploited their situation. I reject any interpretation that would place Judaism itself in a poor light because Jesus' concern for the widow in this story is in perfect harmony with deeply held Jewish values. Deuteronomy, for example, imagines a society where poverty is eliminated. In Deuteronomy 15.4, it says, there need be no poor people among you. And uh, and the Hebrew scriptures repeatedly, the, the widows are singled out and, and express concern for the kind of uh, people that are, are actually centered in this week's reading is repeated over and over and over again. Deuteronomy 24, 17 says, do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice and or take the cloak of a widow as a pledge. Or Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 21, when you're harvesting in your fields and you overlook a chief, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widows, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So again, they were to, to leave the leftovers and, and uh, uh, even when it says, it goes on to mention the olive trees. When you beat the olive trees, uh, don't go over the branches even a second time. Leave that extra. And that was true for the grapes as well. Leave the extra on the vines for the, the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. And Isaiah 1 says, It says, do what is right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, and plead the case of the widow. In Jeremiah 22.3, the 
this is what the Lord says, do what is just and right, rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed, do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. You can also cross-reference all of these with Isaiah 1, 23, Isaiah 10, 2, Jeremiah 7, 6, Zechariah 7, 10, and Malachi 3, 5. In common interpretations of our story this week, I think in this light, they fall short. Typically, they exalt the poor widow's religious piety, her, her willingness to give her all, rather than interpreting this story as a critique of a system that would take her all from her. These interpretations, I think, often communicate the idea that God values the gifts of the poor more than the, the contribu contributions of the affluent as well. They praise the sacrificial nature of the worship of poor people, and I find these interpretations, no matter how ingrained these interpretations may be for us or how normalized these interpretations have become, I find these interpretations deeply harmful and oppressive to the poor. Social location always matters, and how we interpret any sacred text depends on what questions we're bringing to that text, and those questions are determined by how we experience life. We don't all experience life the same way. Therefore, those in different social locations, they bring to their sacred text a different set of questions, and therefore they get a different uh, set of answers as they read. So, to get life-giving answers, we may must first ask life-giving questions. And the interpretations uh, that are common for this week's story, they're not life-giving. They're the interpretations of those with privilege and status. This week, I want to offer a different reading of this story, a reading grounded in Mark's Jesus's repeated uh, stating that the reign of God means a great reversal. Those who are presently valued as last uh, become centered, and those uh, uh, they're, they're made first, and those presently privileged uh, or first are, are made last. And first, Jesus accuses the pious, the elite class of his society, of, of devouring widows' houses. Then in the very next story, Mark offers an example. Far from praising this widow for giving all, Mark's story condemns all systems, whether they're religious, political, economic, or social, that condition her to give everything she has and gleefully and, and, and systems that gleefully take it from her. Again, this is from uh, Ched Meyer's book, Binding the Strongman, a political reading of Mark's story, uh, page 320, uh, Mark's story of Jesus, page 321. He's quoting A. Wright, uh, Widow's Might, Praise or Lament, a Matter of Context. And, and uh, Wright states, Jesus condemns the value system that motivates her action, and he condemns the people who conditioned her to do it. So just as Jesus warned, the widow in this story is being devoured. She's being robbed of her very means of existence. I think of, of taxation systems that today devour the resources of poor people. Regressive tax systems, they, and I'll, I'll put a, if you're not familiar with regressive versus progressive taxation, 
I'll put a link uh, to the differences between those two ways of taxing in, in this week's e-site so you can do do some more uh, reading on it. But the, the regressive tax systems, they place a greater weight of sharing space in society on poor people. And progressive taxation is rooted in the concern that the wealthy pay their fair share of the cost uh, of sharing space within a society. And earlier this year here in West Virginia, some legislators Legislators pushed to remove West Virginia's income tax, and it, it, that would have been a regressive move. It would have further transferred society's tax burden away from the wealthy to the poor and the middle class. And for now, this harmful push has failed. I want my taxes to be used for the common good, to help those who are in need. I actually favor tax systems that do so progressively, not regressively. And in this week's uh, story, Mark's Jesus condemns a flat, regressive tax structure that ended up, you know, 10% for everyone, uh, that ended up devouring the houses of widows and those who are already struggling to live through poverty. I also don't subscribe to an interpretation of this story that makes light of the gifts of the wealthy and places an inequitable burden on the poor. Those who see in their wealth, uh, see that their wealth is actually a call to share their superfluous plenty with those who have less or whose daily needs are not being met, are following the principle that we read elsewhere in the Christian scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 8, 14, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. So, and I think, too, of the, the multitude of nonprofits in the world doing good with individuals and, and working for systemic change, they exist so Solely from contributions given by people with means to support that work. These gifts are the lifeblood of those organizations. And as we work toward a day when these kinds of organizations may not be needed, we must also acknowledge at the same time how vitally necessary their work is until we get there in the meantime. And we should reject any interpretation of this week's story that either diminishes the wealthy as they follow the ethical call of the gospel to give their wealth away and praises systems that burden, overburden those or take advantage of those who are barely surviving. These interpretations, they contradict the overarching economic themes that we find in the teachings of Jesus in the Gospels. The, the same Jesus that called the rich man to give his possessions to the poor also condemned any system that devours widows' houses under the guise of something praiseworthy, such as national fidelity, cultural pride, or, or religious piety. And the, the widow's motives in this story this week could be any of these. Ultimately, Jesus' desire in the stories is that people would have life and they would have it abundantly to the to the full John 1010 10 states. And this isn't abundance in a, a prosperity gospel or capitalist sense, but in the sense of a human community where every person in the community is thriving, whether we call it eternal life or abundant life or just a sustainable life. This is a community where no one has too little while others have too much. It's an imaginative vision of a world where every person is connected to and, and committed to each other, where every person's needs are being met and where no 
one is becoming wealthy off the exploitation of another. No matter how glorious exploitative systems of, of luxury may look on the outside, they're not sustainable. And as Marx uh, saying says this week, talking about the eventual end of these systems in Mark 13, 2, not one stone here will be left on another. This story, I don't believe, I don't interpret it as praising the piety of the poor within a system that takes economic advantage of their piety. It condemns any system that conditions and then exploits people to give more than what is life-giving for them to give. Heart Group application this week. Share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what does a life-giving sharing the cost of shared public space or or giving to causes and organizations or or sharing with those who have less than what they need what does a life-giving form of that look like for you and discuss that with your group and then number three what can you do this week big or small to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe compassionate just home for everyone thanks for checking in with us today right where you are Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.